This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today's episode is one that I am really excited about. We are talking about Japanese rice crackers. Also known as senbei in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And this episode was suggested by listener Andy. Thank you, listener Andy. We've been wanting to talk about this for a while, so thanks for the push. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I noticed that in the agenda, you wrote down senbei as S-E-N-B-E-I. Yeah. But do I pronounce it as though it's an M? Yeah, kind yeah, of. Yeah. So so this is like, th- there's no like one right way to romanize Japanese. And so like the character that you, that you would use if you were like writing out phonetically the word in Japanese is mm for that, for that, it's se, mm, be, i. Okay, okay. But it, when you actually say the word, the mm sort of turns into an mm sound. And okay. so then the question is like, do you write that as an N or an M in English? And either way is fine. Okay. So uh, so just so people can picture them, if people aren't familiar with them, where where might people have seen these or, or encountered them? Okay. So one thing that uh, like, let's, let's just get into this right away is like, there is sort of, kind of different names for rice crackers depending on the size. And so okay. like the, the way that I first encountered these things or is, was in the form of an arare mix. I feel like they they sold and probably still sell this at Costco. Okay, um, let me see. But it's like a mix of different types of rice crackers. Is there the kind that's wrapped <laughs> in seaweed in there? Oh, it you're is. Do, yeah, I think, I think great, there's one in here somewhere. Here it is. Some of Come them, on, buddy. And there's one that kind of looks like bugles. Oh, yeah. Yep. So there's like a little there's like a little skinny baton that's wrapped in seaweed. Yep. There's and one. This, this one has some wasabi peas in it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And what does arare mean in that context? So it really just means small rice crackers made with made with glutinous rice or mochi rice. Okay. 
but but there isn't like a hard cutoff between like you know if it's over you know uh, 14, 14 millimeters it's it's sembe and if it's smaller it's adade it's just kind of like if it's sort of like small and uh, and you can put it in a mix it's adade and if it's bigger it's sembe but they don't like taste fundamentally different or anything. Uh, so would sembe then be the ones that are maybe bigger and uh, maybe look a little bit more like uh, what I think of as the crackers of my youth, like a round disc. Yeah, there we so go. This, the thing I'm holding here that you, the listener, can't see is what I think of as like a archetype of a sembe. Like okay. it's about three inches in diameter mm-hmm. and it's like it's like a big thick cracker that's uh kind of golden brown because it's been brushed with soy sauce oh, and it's so, so gorgeous so, yeah it's, it's such a beautiful food you know it's something that you mostly buy uh in japan like at supermarkets and convenience stores but like it's also a popular gift item that you can get like a really fancy box of like mm-hmm. uh you know like you can with many many different kinds of things in japan uh you know i'm so glad that you mentioned here on the agenda that there are shops where you can watch them being made fresh because my memory lane actually is a street in Nakano. Yeah. Where I believe on a corner, there is a little sembe shop and I went in and bought some there, freshly made. I mean, just gorgeous. And you could even see them like being brushed with soy sauce. Yes. And, you know, it's hard for me to say whether they were any more delicious than any other ones, but they felt more delicious. Oh, yeah. That is that is like such a such a treat. Like when you see like a shop or a stand that's making fresh sembe, like, you know, it's partly partly like they, it smells so good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's usually like uh, it's like a real like mom and pop type of place um, but also sort of the thrill of seeing something something that uh, you didn't know how it was made and then seeing it made yeah and I remember they had almost a little display outside uh, like yes. a, like a wooden shelf type thing that that had a whole bunch of different almost like in bulk different sizes of rice yes. crackers. Okay, I, I have a lot of questions about the sizes and things like mm-hmm. that but what's on your memory lane? So yeah I've liked these since I was a kid like I don't remember like exactly in what context I would encounter them, but it would be the mix. And uh, and like so I would I would like pop these. I loved I loved the flavor. I loved the crunch. December when they were little, especially loved the little uh, nori ones, uh, which are which are called uh, nori maki adare, which is just nori nori wrapped adare and uh, and would like painstakingly like peel off the nori from each one and eat them separately, which is like such a kid thing to do. That is adorable. That was the first one that June really liked, too. Yeah, uh, when I was a kid, I had a, a phase of sorting M and M's into different different colored piles. Did you ever do this? Nope. Okay. Well, did you save all the green ones until you were a teenager and you could like cash them in? That's right. They were very stale, but I but I somehow <laughs> I still I still got really horny. I'm sorry, Matthew. I'm sitting here with a bag of rice crackers and I yeah. couldn't help it. I started to eat them. Well, I mean, the good the good news is we're recording remotely today, uh, and so Abby can just like <laughs> just remove all of your audio from the entire episode. Oh. Okay. Well, hey, so can we get into like the the etymology of this, et cetera, et cetera? Take it away. Okay. So Mr. Mr. Etymology is like like chomping at the bit or chomping at the rice crackers to get in on this one. (laughs) 
I did not know most of this until I started researching. So the the word senbei in Japanese is made up of two Chinese characters, kanji, sen meaning like pan fried or toasted. It's the same sen as in sencha tea, which which is not pan fried or toasted, but like got that name anyway. And then bei meaning mochi. In Chinese, the exact same word written the same way is pronounced jianbing, and refers to a very tasty, like, tortilla-like crepe or pancake that's usually eaten for breakfast. You ever had a janbing? No. So good. Like, I had, I had the one I got at, like, the morning market in Taichung, Taiwan, is, like, one of my, like, greatest food memories. I am fascinated that the same characters are pronounced so differently and, and signify something so differently. Yes. So then, that's not the end of the story. So, so the word came from China to Japan and... In Japan, they're like, okay, like you know, we've got we've got something that's like a like a flat thing that's that's toasted, and uh, like the the second character just took on a different meaning in Japanese, so it's like mm-hmm. a toasted mochi kind of treat. And then much much later, the word senbei, like the spoken word, was reimported from Japanese into Chinese because the Japanese style rice crackers became popular in China, <laughs> okay. and so that word is pronounced jambay. I'm sure I'm like getting the tones completely wrong, but jambay in Mandarin and is spelled with totally different characters. This is fascinating. I love and this. Finally, maybe in Japanese, the same word senbei is used to refer to other totally unrelated crunchy snacks just on the basis of, well, this is also kind of flat and crunchy. So like hone senbei is when you like take a roast, you take an eel or fish backbone and fry or roast it. So it's like a cracker, but it's made of hone, which is bone. I remember you writing about that in Pretty Good Number One. Yeah, really good mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So how old are these things? I mean, how long have these things been made? Okay, so that is a tricky question for, for a couple reasons. Partly because there's a lot of debate about like, you know, was was there something like this going back thousands of years? It seems like probably not. The word goes back much further than the current dish. And so, you know, the word is like, this is not something that's unique to Japanese. Like the word is not very specific. And so like clearly people were using the same word, senbei spelled the same way to refer to things that were more like a cake, you know, a soft cake, like, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of years before, before it came to mean like this round guy here. Okay. But there is a town in Saitama, which is, which is like a suburban prefecture next to Tokyo that has kind of like made it their thing of like senbei, the modern style were invented here. The town is called Solka. Clearly, they started marketing senbei in the modern style during the Edo period. So, like somewhere from like the sixteen from sixteen hundred to the mid eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. And who's to say whether it really originated there? Probably not. But it's but like that's that's the story we've ended up with. In Soka, you, there are over 60 senbei manufacturers and shops in a pretty small city, and okay. plus plus a stone monument, like sort of in the shape of a senbei, saying like senbei were invented here. I love this. <laughs> and like all good food origin stories, there's like a there's like an apocryphal or, origin story that's a great story that is definitely not true, which is that uh, some say. That a dango shop, so dango are like, you know, when you see like mochi dumplings on a s- stick that are like grilled and sometimes mm-hmm. have like syrup on them, that a dango shop in Soka took their day old dango that they couldn't sell anymore, rolled them flat and cooked them on a grill <laughs> and turned them into senbei. 
Hmm. Probably I've had not. Dango. I yeah. had it at Mount Takao with yes. you, right? Yeah. And I cannot picture how that would turn into senpai. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not totally out of the question because the ingredients are kind are basically the same. But I don't think that's actually what happened. I feel like you'd have to cook it a, like in a different way, like a dehydrator. Yeah. So I'm not buying it. Good. Uh, have you ever been to Soka? No, I never heard of that. That this that Sembe was their thing. I, I never even heard of this town, honestly, until yesterday when I started researching this. But I would love to go check it out. Like one, like on our on our first family trip to Tokyo, we took the train up to Utsunomiya, which is uh, like a hundred miles north of Tokyo, and uh, it is the gyoza town. And mm-hmm. so, like, they have, like, a like a statue of, like, a stone stone statue of a gyoza. They have, like, a hundred gyoza shops. It's really fun. <sighs> this sounds great. The only the only equivalent I know of is uh, the dumpling man that used to be outside Din Tai Fung. <laughs> exactly. Now, I'm wondering, like, like if you go, you know, ge- generally speaking, like, like, you know, snacking on the street in Japan is frowned upon. But, like, it seems like it would be pretty cool if you went to Soka and, like, as you walked around, you just heard, like, all this crunching from all sides, even, like, directly above you somehow. So I assume that you can get, like, gift boxes yeah. of it or, like, if you go to Soka, it's the kind of thing you have to bring some back. Yes. Yeah. Like, there is there's a, a culture of omiyage in Japan, which uh, which you're probably familiar with. Like, if you if you, like, you know, go to a place for, like, a business trip or a vacation, like, you bring your coworkers or your family back some, like, a food that is, like, the special food of that place. And I'm imagining like if you go to Soka and you don't come back with with a Senbei gift box, you're like fired. I'm fascinated. I love this. And mm-hmm. I, I struggle to think of how we could translate it, like thinking about American regional foods or cities. Yeah. Like, like, let's say you're going to Chicago. You come back with, <laughs> with like a With a pizza. sack of, yeah, sack of Chicago hot dogs that yeah. have gotten extremely or, soggy. Or uh, let's see, I'm going to go to Baltimore and come back with a sack of crabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come back with a crab sack. That's uh, Baltimore's no, but- slogan. Baltimore, come back with a crab sack. <laughs> no, but what about, there must be like dry foods. There must uh, be dry co- foods, right? from Seattle. Yeah, sure. Uh, smoked salmon. Yeah. Yeah, so, from Seattle. so hot smoked salmon. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, okay? What about other like dry foods that we could bring back? Other dry foods that we can bring after, like like what's like a dry food non-perishables of, of Los Angeles? Um, um, a bag of masa. You can bring back a bag of masa from Los Angeles. Sure. Uh, um, what what else? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think like there is. It's partly just that like there is there is like this this culture of like you know a place is going to have local foods. They're going to f- figure out a way to like package it so it's relatively non perishable, and you are expected to bring it back. So that makes sure that like every town like produces something like this because like you know, they make money that way. And, mm-hmm. and we, we just don't have like the same kind of tradition, I think. Bummer. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen, uh, they've got you can borrow appliances like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. Uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post meeting drink. You can bring your pet. 
totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have, like, a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah, so, like, a whole closet system where I can really, like, unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then, and this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. So there's a particular type I really can't wait to talk about. Yes, so let's get into talking about types of sembe. Okay. So um, first of all, like I want to recommend Yukari Sakamoto's book, Food Sake Tokyo. It's a great book about like the the food of Tokyo and Eastern Japan. And uh, so I, I learned I learned a lot about types of sembe from, from her book. Anyone with an interest in Japanese food should absolutely own this book. So the, the most common sembe is, is this guy that I keep holding up. It's a large, round, soy sauce-flavored cracker, but there are lots of variations. So we, we talked about uh, like that odare are the little ones and norimaki mm-hmm. odare are the, are the nori-wrapped ones. Have you ever had the, the sembe that are made with like whole roasted soybeans in the dough? So like they're, they're like, it's like studded with them. I don't think so. Periodically, I've seen them at Awajimaya. They, they haven't had them recently, but they're, they're popular in Japan. They are so good. Great. We're getting around to my 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 favorite. Okay, so <laughs> okay. so these these ones that Molly and I both have a bag of waza waza kachiwade sembe. Waza waza means deliberately, and kachiwade means like broken or or smashed. So these are deliberately smashed sembe. <laughs> And love this. I know we, we've talked about these on the show before, but like they have like a great like craggy broken texture. They're broken up into like different sized pieces and they're like cooked, you know, so they're dry enough to shatter, but then like not like soy sauce until after that. So even like the craggy edges get coated with soy sauce. Yeah, I mean, th- these ones, at least this brand that that you bought me from Uajamaya has a, a true like density of soy sauce to it that the regular sembe you're holding up yes. does not. Yeah, it's fun to say. They're so much fun to eat. There's a spicy one that I've only so far seen for sale in Japan that is so good. It is incredible. Matthew, you need to take like an entire extra like suitcase or tote bag or something I know. <laughs> to bring those back yes. for me. Okay. Um, okay. Have you ever had a sweet sembe that's that's co- coated with like coarse sugar? No. Does it have soy sauce on it too? No. Because that would be, I feel like that could, that that could be, really be interesting, interesting, right? I bet that has been done. But yeah, but sweet okay. ones are really good. And, the, you know, these are like snacks that people, you know, usually have with tea or uh, or other beverages. So like, mm-hmm. you know, can go sweet or savory. There, there are other flavored ones. Like I had like, like shichimi togarashi sembe, like mm. wasabi flavor, uh, miso flavor, like... Uh, Good stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And so how are these made? I mean, I, I know that like I saw it in a, a shop, but I, I didn't really see, I don't remember seeing the actual like cake pre-cooking. Yes. Okay. So first of all, we're going to link to a YouTube video from like the 90s, probably like like from a VHS tape of uh, Sembe Factory. There are newer, newer, like more HD ones, of course, but I found this one really charming. You can like watch them getting made at, at stands. But the basic idea is they're made from one ingredient, rice. Okay. And I went down a serious rabbit hole trying to figure out like how, when are they made from mochi rice versus like non-glutinous rice? And the conclusion I came to is that it doesn't matter that much. Okay. <laughs> because, okay, so so mochi rice is called mochi gome in, in Japanese and, and like non-sticky rice is called uruchi mai. And they will tell you on the package which one they're using. So like arare, usually made from mochi rice, the little ones. These, mm-hmm. these waza waza kachiwade, mochi rice. This guy, regular rice, the, this round one. Okay. And the textural difference, I don't think most people could pick out, like, based on flavor or texture, which kind of rice it was made with. Okay. And when we're saying rice here, is is this like rice that has been pounded or ground to a flour? So... It can be done two different ways. I think for like industrially made, I, I think probably rice flour is most common these days. Okay. So like you're you're making like a dough with rice flour and water, you know, knead it and then let it sit and hydrate uh, for, for probably a couple of days and then roll it out. You can also just do it, make steamed rice and then like smash it. Okay. Um, mash okay. it into a dough. And then either way, you're like rolling it out into, into discs. Like, of course, like, you know, industrially or even probably in a small shop, there's going to be a cutter that cuts it into discs. Mm-hmm. And then you grill the discs over a charcoal or electric grill, usually with a pretty fine grill grate and brush them with usually it's usually a mix of soy sauce and mirin. I am remembering now that the grill was covered in what almost looked like uh, f- for me, like a cooling rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's like a, a grid type yes, grill. Absolutely. I'm fascinated by the fact that these are grilled because yeah. they are so completely dried without without like burning or caramelizing. Yeah, I think so. So the the soy sauce and mirin goes on like at the end because I think that would burn really quickly. But like mm-hmm. just just like the rice flour, it's, it's probably a low hydration dough. And then you just like cook it until it's nice and dry. And if it gets like a little a little charred, that's going to be delicious. OK, hold on. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but why is it that they come in different sizes? Because the disc ones come in different diameters. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So and I was in a Wajamaya would... this morning and I saw like they had like these big, these big three inchers, which are a standard size. They had like little, little sort of like uh, quarter silver dollar size ones. They had some like rectangular ones. You know, I think no, no reason other, other than like, you know, people enjoy snacking on different sizes, size things. Okay, great. <laughs> I enjoy snacking on different size yeah. things. Okay. Cool. So what else do we want to say about Sembe? Okay. So I learned something, like I learned, heard an interesting story involving Sembe recently that I want to share and also recommend a particular video. 
So uh, there's this YouTuber that I follow that I really like called uh, Paolo from Tokyo, who uh, who is like a North American guy who lives uh, in Tokyo with his wife, who is Japanese and their kid and makes videos like my favorite series of his is like a day in the life of a person doing a particular job in Japan. So like, uh, you know, day in the life of like a, a Kinako factory owner. And that like that one made me order Kinako online. <laughs> Sound like a day in the life of, of like, uh, you know, a waiter in an isekai or like a game programmer. And are these all done in English? All done in English, yeah. Wow, he's, he's okay. really, really good at like, you know, editing these videos together and like they're a lot of fun. Like the restaurant ones will make you so hungry. But we watched one recently called uh, Day in the Life of a Japanese Train Conductor. And I'm like, okay, I like trains. We'll sit down. We watch this uh, like as a family and they're like 15 minute videos. And it was about a train line called the Choshi Electric Railway in the eastern part of Chiba Prefecture, which is a really remote area. Like it's like kind of the eastern tip of the Kanto Tokyo area. And like to get there from Tokyo is like takes like three hours. And ridership on this on this tiny little train line has been declining since the mid 20th century and like they almost shut down in the 60s and like you know were saved with like an infusion of money and then almost shut down again in the 90s and they decided to try something different and started selling a local style of sembe called nude sembe it's made with a special blend of Yamasa soy sauce, which is mm-hmm. the soy sauce that you and I love, which is mm-hmm. which is headquartered in Choshi, this little town east of Tokyo. And the Sembei sales were a huge hit. People would like be, be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna go out here, we're gonna ride the cute little train, and we're gonna buy the Sembei to take home. And the railway railway now makes two thirds of its revenue from Sembei sales and one third from train fares. Okay, do you know what this reminds me of? <laughs> what? Do you remember in Singles mm-hmm. when the Campbell Scott character is like yes. trying to solve the gridlock problem in Seattle and he's like the pitching train. a light rail, yes. the super train. And he's like, we're going to serve them great coffee and, and we're going to play great music <laughs> and everybody's going to want to leave their cars and ride the super train because of the great coffee and the great music and anyway, yep. whatever. And then, uh, yeah, and here it worked. I mean, in, in Singles, Tom Skerritt said, like, I'm going to say one thing and I'm going to take no. thank you for your time. No. <laughs> I like that movie. Um, uh, okay. Anyway, so here it actually worked. It actually worked. I mean, so far, like, yeah, like they're they're like you know a couple decades in, and it, and like I don't know like what, how things are going now, but it but uh, like you know people people were riding it and and buying the sembei. You keep calling this a little train. How yeah. little is it? I, is I, this like a tra- like a like a kid sized train, well, like a little like, kitty train like ride? Two two cars. Oh, this sounds so cute! Yes. I want to go ride it with you. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to go ride this together. And then they didn't really talk much in the video about like what makes these sebe special. And so I didn't realize this until I looked up yesterday. I didn't even think about the so so nude sembe like the word could mean one of two things. I assumed it meant like painted, so like painted with soy sauce. That makes sense. That is not what it means. It's a uh, different different word, a, a homophone, which means wet. <laughs> So <laughs> these are wet sembe and apparently have long been controversial for the for their damp texture and surface. Uh. And, and so like they are like many sembe are sold in like individually wrapped packaging, but these ones have to be or they will all gloosh together in the back. Wow. Okay, this is like a really unlikely success story yes. here. So now that made me really want to try them. <laughs> 
Yum. Let's go taste the the wet sembe. Let's go get sticky fingers. Mmm. Ah, Matthew, I can't wait for you to go to Tokyo and bring me back some spicy sembe. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get out to the the eastern edge of Chiba on my next trip, but let's let's do it together someday. Okay. Sounds good. It'll be it'll be a long ride out there. We'll we'll need to bring a book, bring a snack. We'll probably like uh, have have an argument along the way. Oh, that sounds perfect. Doesn't that sound I can't great? Wait. And then we'll make that up by the time we get to the little train. Oh. Have we ever had an argument? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think we've had moments where we like disagreed about something, sure. but I wouldn't call it an argument. No. Okay. Would you like to read the spilled mail since I just talked a lot about Sam? I would love to. So today's spilled mail comes from listener Bethany. Dear Matthew and Molly, I was listening to your gumbo episode and heard you mention a couple of suggestions for what to call your listeners saying it's not too late to send in more ideas. Since there wasn't consensus about what to call us and because of all the times you referred to Lori as Watsall, I've been thinking of myself as one of the Lotsum. That's <laughs> L-O-T-S-S-M. Short for listeners of the show Spilled Milk. Sometimes if I want to personalize it, I'm Lots B for listener of the show Bethany. That's really good, right? <gasps> like like everyone wow. like everyone's a Lots. I love this. Okay. And hold on. The letter goes on. Yeah. Feel free to clomp away. <laughs> That's fast. Clomp. <laughs> clomp. Okay. But I'll be over here happily lotsming as long as there's a sm to lull. <laughs> so glad you had to read this. Oh, and while I have you, I think you should know that I'm listening this week from a boat. On your Biscotti episode, which is episode number 491, you mentioned your assumption that the vast majority of your <laughs> listeners were on land. That does sound like something we would say. <laughs> I'm betting that's true, but my family has spent a lot of time on a sailboat, including a year traveling by sea when my kids were in middle school. Wow. And I have to say that your podcast is very good company on long night watches in the ocean. <gasps> Isn't that amazing? This I, I love this yeah. letter so much. This week, I'm out on a tugboat in the Salish Sea. So if you see one float by, wave, it might be me. I wonder, <gasps> do you think listener Bethany is like a tugboat captain? A listener Bethany is living a really, really good life. Yes. I am so happy for, for you, Lotsby. Yeah. So, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for this, for this message. We'll, we'll call you Lotsby, regardless of what we call our listeners as a collective. I really like this idea, Lotsum. Lotsum? Lotsum. Yeah, lots, mm. Listeners of the show spilled milk. But lots does them. that mean like, like what if, what if we want to talk about an individual listener, like, and we don't know their name. Let's just kind of like a generic listener. Like, then it's lots X. Lo oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really good. Isn't that good? Yeah, and it and and also it just sounds like lots lots of sex. That's right. Okay, lots. Okay, but wait, hold on, listener Bethany. I, I I'm sure I've seen you maybe go by on a tugboat or something. If you could just <laughs> really? wave, if you could wave a little more enthusiastically next yeah, time. Okay, but did you wave at the tugboat? I I haven't been waving at the tugboat. You you should wave at the tugboat. Isn't okay. it cool how like tugboats have tires all over them? <laughs> That is pretty I cool. I love that. Yeah. I always think of them as like the low rider of boats. They are the low you know? rider of boats. Yeah. <sighs> Matthew, I have a now, but wow. I would love to hear about it. This episode 
episode is coming out, what, October 19th? Well, uh, just a month ago today, uh, if you're listening on the day this episode came out, a month ago on September 19th, Ross Gay, who we have talked about before Mm -hmm. in our Now But Wow segment, Ross Gay released his latest book, which is the book of more delights. I didn't know Uh, about this. I read the previous one and I loved it. Yeah. So Ross Gay has written even more of his wonderful essays exploring sources of delight. So Ross Gay uh, is a poet, an essayist, a delightful human being. If you have not read The Book of Delights, go out and get it now. And then go ahead and also get The Book of More Delights, which you can find everywhere books are sold. Yeah, I think this might be like like three or four appearances on Now But Wow for Ross Gay. Like at some point, at some point, we're going to have to cut him off. We are. We are. Well, he's going to have to just stop making books. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, something to celebrate uh, is a new book from Ross Gay, and uh, and woo woohoo! <laughs> okay, great. That is that is how we always wrap that segment up. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo to you too, yes. and to all and to all of our our lotsums. Uh, our producer is Abby Circatella. Uh, Molly has uh, a newsletter that brings me great delight. It's called I've Got a Feeling, and it's available at mollyweisenberg.substack.com. Mm-hmm. And Matthew makes music uh, as part of two projects. One is called Early to the Airport. The other is called Twilight Diners. Yeah, I recently got a message from a listener asking, like, when when can they see me play a live show? And I'm, I'm tr- Twilight Diners, we're, we're like slowly working our way toward playing out all keep you posted. Oh, I am excited about this. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and uh, catch up with other other clumps, lotsums, lilies, whatever you want to call them at uh, everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the show where we're um, mentally on a boat. Yeah. I mean, do you think <laughs> if you're on a boat that your sembe is just inherently wet sembe. I think so. Maybe that's maybe that's how they make it. They make regular yes. sembe. They're like on the coast. They go out on a boat and just kind of like <laughs> expose it to the to the the uh, the salty sea air and mm. then come back. Mm. It's like like how they sell fish at Fisherman's Terminal. Oh my god! A uh, this this uh, sembe package just like sort of like flew across the room because I was waving my arms and scared me. <laughs> You're Matthew Amsterburton. And you're Molly Weisenberg. I'm Matt. Uh, <laughs> I'm eating rice crackers. I'm, I'm Molly. Matt. No! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 